The Vision app is the best place to find a growing range of Aussie-made on-demand videos to help you look to God daily. Be challenged by a series of apologetic interviews produced by Creation Ministries International and inspired by Helping Hands, which showcases people and organisations who make the world a better place. There are new videos being added every week in the free Vision Christian Media app. Just tap the Watch tab to see the growing selection. If you don't already have the app on your smartphone or tablet, download it now from vision.org.au slash app. Vision.org.au slash app. Vision. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Well, according to evolutionary ideas, the races descended from different ancestors, separated by location and time. But as we all know, it's not just about black and white. We all have skin shades as the color we see on the outside. As Christians, we understand the idea that God created, well, one race, sometimes reflected in the idea of one blood. Biblically, we might understand that all humans are created equal before God, that all are sinners in need of salvation. So what should we make of the accusations, divisions, attacks on people around the world where skin color is the issue. Most of the racism we're seeing that's demonstrated on our television screens right now is generated from the Black Lives Matter movement that went to a new level in the USA with the appalling and senseless death of George Floyd. And there are deep-seated issues in the U.S. that date back to the widespread slavery. And we'll talk about those today and even go back further than what might have happened in the U.S. But here in Australia, we've got our own history and our own challenges to face up to between skin colours. So a different take today on racism with John Mackay, the creation guy. John is the International Director of Creation Research. And John Mackay, I want to make a special welcome back to 2020. It's welcome to be first time for me in the new studio, so it looks good. Yes, and and of course some listeners will know we've done a lot of telephone uh, conversations uh, over the past months, uh, but an opportunity to have you in the studio today because we don't have a coronavirus spike in Queensland. No, it's happening in Victoria and it's progressing in New South Wales, Queensland, pretty good right now. So a little bit of social distancing, uh, giving us an opportunity to have you in the studio. Hey, this is a really controversial topic to talk about. And interestingly, John, as Christian believers, we might think we've got it all worked out when it comes to what's happening with race. We'll often talk about those sorts of connections between racism and the theory of evolution. But I know that there is more to the dimensions that we might need to understand. And you've been unpacking a lot of these things when you speak about issues to do with race since all of this controversy has started. Give us a little insight into your feelings about how the race issues are, are really just uh, uh, you know, around the world. Okay. Uh, yeah. To put it into perspective, the gospel, of course, is the, the finishing command is go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations, right? And many years ago, I was doing a research for documentary on the origin of black people, white people, etc. And uh, one of the consequences was an unexpected one. I'm interviewing an Aboriginal elder here in Australia who's recounting his version, their version of the flood and creation story. 
Unknown to me, one of the younger Aborigines was behind a rock listening. Now, that young Aborigine came to me many years later and he said, Do you remember when you interviewed such and such? Uh, Now, in his mind, he shared, I'm summarising the story, Christianity was a white man's religion. Aborigines had evolved from, you know, different sources, etc. But he said, when I listened, I didn't even know what the elder said was the real history, right? Because young people are usually blocked from, from that information. And he said, when I discovered that we all came from the one man, then Jesus would come for all of us, right? So there's the importance of this issue in terms of gospel preaching to Indians, uh, Australians, Aboriginals, Kiwis or whatever. Now, at the other end, you have the tragic history of whether it's white versus blacks, or if you go back to Egypt, the blacker Egyptians enslaving the lighter Jewish people, right? Or you have a look all through history, right back to Babel, where Nimrod basically is famous as being the inventor of slavery. So you have it from one end to the other, the importance of the gospel and the excuse for the suppression and oppression of other peoples. There's a dimension in here, and whether we can pick up on this today or not, or whether it's taking us off on a tangent, but this comes down to a way of expressing power, of uh, taking power and control. And uh, so using then skin colour as an excuse to be able to take power. Uh, That's uh, perhaps uh, getting on a different tangent, although it's connected. Well, it is connected because... If you think of evangelism, and I'll try and make sure we always get back to that as our our main focus, no matter what tangent we get. If you look at, say, when the British were the dominant group in the planet, they had the power, right? So in their evangelism, sadly, many of our missionaries wanted to make people British, right? If the whites have the power, they tend to want to make everybody white, Likewise, in the blacks in Egypt have the power. They want to make everybody who's not black subservient to their goals. So it turns out to be, as I said to some people, the real problem is not the color of your skin. It's the color of your sin. Right. And we all have a black heart without Jesus Christ. So the real solution is you've got power. Praise the Lord for it. It comes from him and he can take it as fast as he took it from Nebuchadnezzar overnight and turn you insane. Right. If he wants the real solution is Jesus Christ. But this issue here is important because so many of us are thinking if I can convince people we're all one race, that removes half the problems, and it really doesn't, right? It's a superficial, it's a nice touchy-feely solution, but you've got to get further than that and say the real problem is sin, whether you're black or white, and then we can ask questions like how do you get to be black or white, and are there different racial groups, and what do we do about that? Okay, now we're getting into some controversial territory here because uh, a lot of evangelical Christians, uh, people who would say, you know, the Bible is my uh, source of uh, of authority, of faith and practice, and of course that is uh, what you would hold to mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are some ways that we think about race that evangelicals have typically thought about race and bringing into it this question of evolution, this mm-hmm. whole mm-hmm. system that we have blamed for racism. When you start to talk about colonialism uh, in Australia, we're talking about the British coming mm-hmm. here bringing Christian faith, mm-hmm. and that actually has had an an issue that's developed so far as our race mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we take this a little bit deeper here, John? Okay, on in this new studio on Vision Radio, are we allowed to talk about homophonic issues? 
you better give us an explanation <laughs> of what that means. See, the interesting thing is, <laughs> yeah. half the times when we have arguments, we're using the same word in a different way. Now, English as a language which is stolen, borrowed, uh, said that's a good idea, I'll use it, has many words that create problems like this. So is it the dog? that you're worried about its bark or the tree that you're worried about its bark, right? So the same word, totally different meaning. And sometimes you have the same word that's coming from a totally different perspective. Race is a good example. So that if you go back through the whole of history, the Greeks were as racist as you could imagine, right? They believed in evolution, but they'd come from the slime, but their slime was higher quality than Jewish slime, right? So in Acts chapter 17, Paul is emphatic that we all come from one man, one blood, right? No mention of the concept of race as, uh, as we know it. By the time you get to the 1600s, John Ray, uh, Carl von Linn are trying to come up with a precise definition, right? And these are the things that your teacher says, kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genius, species. Now, even Linnaeus recognised that species is a convenient term, and most of us have the concept, if you're a same species, you can interbreed. If you're different species, you can't, right? But then he realised there's some subgroups in species, and so he borrowed the word race, right? Race simply means comes from the head of it, so the common ancestor, and you are a descendant of it. Uh, the, the word for head in Hebrew is even related to our word race, right? So a descendant of. But you can have a race of this flower, a race of... You can have a race horse. You can have draft horses, right? So the word has a different meaning in science when you talk about races than when someone says, I believe in one race. Now, to give you an illustration of this homophonic problem, see, I've played with the word homophobic, mm. right? Yeah. Um, but it, it's a real word, but I listened to a pastor recently saying, I believe there's one race. Now, bless his heart, because the one family concept is real, but the one race does create problems when you learn in science that there are many races, even for one group of flowers. Okay, so how did we get get the two, two extremes? Okay, because he went on to say, I believe in one race of man. Halfway through his talk, he said, this is the only way to solve the conflict between the races. Now, the words are being used in two different ways, like bark and bark, or in our current COVID crisis, flu, F-L-U, flu, F-L-E-W, and flu, F-L-U-E. Now, you've got to really tell me what you're talking about, and most of us evangelicals don't. We need to add our Bible exegesis. We need to add our, if I mean by one race, the one family of man, go for it. Now, preach the problem, sin preach the solution, Jesus. But if I mean one race like a horse race, I'm way out. My precision is gone and I'm just creating confusion with a very well-intentioned aim to spread the gospel. What you're saying, John, is that we have a tendency to oversimplify the issue so that we can claim that we have an answer to it. Mm. But in actual fact, the rest of the world isn't necessarily thinking that way. No, so. Particularly when, in the USA. 
And mm. so if we're, we'll get into the USA and, uh, and how that might be, mm. uh, they might be thinking about race there. Mm. Uh, but there are definitions and dictionary definitions, which do matter, mm-hmm. uh, might say that races are different because there are different distinctions in people groups, not just skin colour, but those are the things that separate yes. a, a people group. So, yeah. so the rest of the world is thinking along those lines, uh, whereas as Christians, we're perhaps oversimplifying that by saying one blood, one, one yeah, race. Right. But we have to, if we're going to engage with the culture, we have to understand how we everybody do. else and thinks about it. how they got to be where they were, right? So I had a, a guy who was asking me about this yesterday, and I said, well, look, race in science means any group that can be distinguished from any other group by at least one or two obvious features, black versus white, tall versus Zulu versus pygmy, you know, and tell them they're the same race and they'll sort of look at you strange, you know. And the same when when you get to Jewish people, the Jewish race really don't want to be regarded as another race. So that's an important concept to them. And you can create a fence by assuming there is no separate definition. Uh, When you look at, say, we, we mentioned the issue of evolution, which we really haven't got to, if you try to blame the racism concept for evolution, undeniably Hitler and the Stalins of this world have loved evolution because if we're from animals, we're better than you are. Eliminate our, you know, let's naturally select. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you read Thomas Jefferson, you know, one of the founding fathers of the USA, he thought the blacks were way down the list. And this is before Charles Darwin, right? If you pick up Albert Barnes' commentary from 1834, and you look at to all tribes and nations and tongues and peoples, right? You look up his word for tribes equals race, right? And then a few a few lines down, this is how the Jewish people think of it. Oh, 1834, before Charles Darwin, before evolution, before any racial rising conflict in the USA. So we need to know our data. I mean, when the scripture says, preach the word as the Lord does, preach it with authority, right? We need to check our, our word to make sure it actually reflects the whole of history. One blood, absolutely accurate. One race, a little confusion comes in. If you exclude the races and then the black people say, well, we, we want to be treated the same as the white people. Are we two separate groups that want to be one culture? What are we talking about here? And there's half the, the problem with the confusion we create when the Word of God has come to make things clear. Okay, so we know we've got to take things a little deeper to understand the way that other people think differently. Now, let's bring evolution into mm-hmm. this equation because people around the world are influenced by the theory of evolution and they are thinking that there is race difference by equality and therefore a struggle to win back some level of power if they feel as though they've been disempowered. So evolution has something here that is Mm -hmm. driving uh, some of the race issues. How do you see that? Okay, so yes, in the current education context, we've now had in the West since the 1950s, particularly the generations of young people who are now leaders in most cases who just assume evolution is true. And if evolution is true, you select against anything that's by your definition lesser than us. Now, unfortunately, uh, as I love to tell people, if you're going to study science with me, we will study the history of thinking too. Because I really, I, I read the life story of the first black African bishop. And it's fascinating because he said it was us who sold the black people to the white slave traders. 
right? Mm. Okay, mm. no evolution, just natural problem called sin. So what you're looking at is evolution becomes just our current um, justification for, for sinful treating of other people. Sometimes it's power. Sometimes it's you killed my grandpa, I'm going to get you and sell you off. Right, So there's all sorts of motivations that are justified, but in reality, again, and I'm glad vision does this, we always get back to the real problem is God made us, we sinned, Jesus came. Praise God, there is a solution no matter how the problem shows up. Let's come back to modern racism and what we might be seeing in the U.S., uh, African-Americans, and the blame being put onto slavery issues. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know that you like to take things back beyond mm-hmm. slavery. And even as you mentioned, the first Christian bishop saying, we sold our people mm-hmm. into sa- slavery. So, I mean, uh, nobody's pointing a finger at him right now. And uh, maybe some there's a little bit of context that's coming. But you take these issues right back into mm-hmm. racial atti- attitudes in South Africa and other African mm-hmm. nations. Mm-hmm. Um, having spent a lot of time in the South, right, um, the one thing I've reached the decision about, you know, the, their civil war is that slavery was not necessarily a cause. It certainly was a justification at the end. Um, you want to, like history, you know, you can go back to in the north, there's the, the English and the Germans in the south, there's the Scots and the Irish, and they're still fighting one another. But the slavery is on top of that, on both sides. And when you look at the way blacks have been treated in the in the USA in the southern half, I'll be frankly honest, even the Christians uh, don't deserve any credit. This is the Christian whites, because I've also preached to Christian blacks, right? And I had a very interesting discussion one day, which really helps open up a lot of this, because I've I've gotten sadly used to the fact that it'll either be an all-white church or it'll be an all-black church. So I'm with a historian uh, one day, and I said, listen, is it always been like this since the declaration of, of, of slaves being freed? He said, no. He said they used to, on the slave farms, a Christian owner would have the black slaves in his church and um, had a pretty good reputation for caring for people, more like the biblical model of slavery, mm-hmm. which is you know culturally not want to be talked about at the moment, but it is there in the Old Testament where you become part of a family to pay off debts. But nevertheless, he said, when the slaves were granted freedom, that system continued on. I said, well, how come it's not, it's not there now? Because obviously if I can worship with my black brothers and they can worship with their white and Chinese brothers, we don't have a problem there. He said, well, back in the 1920s and 30s, a third party arose up and it was called the third party, right? But it became evident that its power base was the blacks, the farmers, the southern half of the USA. So enter Democrats and Republicans who join up to decide we have a problem, right? And here was their solution, and it's as dirty as you can get. Um, You white people are being threatened by black takeover. You black people are being persecuted. You need freedom, right? And all of a sudden, you've split your enemy up, right? And then 40 years later, you get the Clintons of the world saying, no, the only way we can solve this you wretches, you created half the problem here, right? Yeah. And it's, it's terrible, but in between, uh, I, first time I went to a little town outside of Nashville, here's the theatre, black people up there, white people down here, and you think, this is a Christian community. That's disgusting, right? And they need slap, slap. 
Uh, and and we're now 40 years on and the fighting is now this. We've got to fix this. There's no other way except force. But as you and I know, the black power movement, the, the, the Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organisation. They couldn't care less about whether I'm black or white. They want power takeover. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. You'll know we're in the the deep waters today and I do want to invite you to join in our conversation. And perhaps this is new to you, the sorts of things we're talking about today, but our talkback line is open, 1-800-316-316. We've got a few of John's resource books to be able to give away too. Uh, The first few callers that call through will be able to send you one of John's uh, resources. Uh, What sort of books are we talking about here today, John? Three books today, so three opportunities. We've told the lady on the phone you choose who gets it right so you can't blame neil or me but they are about this issue one's brand new not even on our website yet it's called this what about the stone ages right it's by our resident historian here in queensland and uh, you know we think of the aborigines as stone ages but if you look at our dvd the interviews with the aborigines their story is we used to make metal and we forgot how to do it when we got here and you think whoa This is not what's in the history books. They're people who are finding stone tools and on the way up. And the Bible says, no, they had steel when they left the Tower of Babel and when they left India. Oh, what a different version of history. So that's that's that first one or the DVD, Origin of Races. Um, The second one is All Over the Face of the World which is about racial distribution after Babel and the importance of it in our knowledge of evangelism. And the third one's the one that you've got in Vision Bookshop, uh, Walking Through Genesis with Jesus. Okay, so if you're calling through with a question or a comment, uh, you'll likely get one of those books. First three callers through to get one of those. 1-800-316-316. Hey, let's talk about uh, Aboriginal Christianity here in Australia. And you've just, uh, you know, there's a, there's a big issue, isn't there? In so far as, uh, you know, uh, making metal and mm-hmm. uh, using stone tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are all sorts of issues like that. But even in what we're talking about so far as races go and the arrival of colonial Christianity on mm-hmm. our shores here in Australia, the idea that uh, we better turn those Aboriginal people into, uh, 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 you know, English-looking mm-hmm. uh, Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some challenges here. John, take us a little bit deeper into how we might understand Aboriginal Christianity in mm-hmm. relation to these ideas of races and our faith. Okay, well... Traveling all over the globe, getting to deliberately go and meet races, racial groups in their own context, right? I, with joy, tell you that the converted Christians amongst them, whether it's North American Indians or Aborigines, uh, make interesting comments on the impact of European Christianity or Europeans uh, as well, right? Yes, you bought disease because they had no resistance to measles. Measles killed far more than any poisoning or whatever, right? They had no immunity because they'd been separated since the Tower of Babel from the rest of us, right? Uh, Okay, so that you bought disease. You bought rape and murder and killing uh, on a scale that we hadn't seen before, but without you, we'd still all be going to hell. Right, so there's there's the biggest picture you can get, even amongst the so-called indigenous Aboriginals, um, the the, the rec- recognition that Jesus actually is saviour. To give a, a recollection from just just north of uh, of Brisbane, from one of the you know the uh, Sherberg type areas, um, I asked this older Aboriginal, 
how did he become a Christian? And he says, my mother, right, and her sisters, because Aboriginal ladies, as you may know, play quite a significant role in their culture compared to European-type culture, uh, cried out to the great spirit and said, we know about you, but we don't know you. Can you please send someone who will tell us about you? <laughs> Almost brings tears yeah. to my eyes, right? Yeah. And the very next day, a Lutheran missionary turned up and told him about Jesus. <laughs> right? And you think, what's that scripture? If you search for me with all your heart, you will find me. But here's the crunch. Whether you're an ancient Celt in Scotland who's used to eating your enemies, because you always ate one of them at least, right? Uh, and you get converted, do you have a rule about cannibalism? Do you have a rule about pork? Do you have a rule about dogs? Right, And all of a sudden your culture is impacted if you think that smoking leaves over a fire can actually remove the spirits and cleanse the air and make Australia good again. You're deluded, God says. Oops, have I just been politically incorrect? Absolutely true. But in reality, if you don't know the truth, you're still in bondage to your own superstitions. Okay, so therefore every culture, Aborigine, Gaelic, uh, North American Indians will have to sit down and remember what Jesus said? let his mind be in you. Uh, When I first became a Christian, I didn't start from the New Testament. I started from the Old Testament. Man, did I get a whop full of rules. And I was only glad by the time I got to Matthew where Jesus is, hey, he kept all the rules for us. But nevertheless, there's still some rules. I don't let you eat blood, says Paul. Are the same rules that that Noah was given. So the food rules in any culture, my people, they eat blood. Black pudding, the Germans eat blood, right? And I've got myself into big trouble saying to my relatives, God says you will not do this. Oops, culture problems. And the same is true in every culture, whether it's smoking ceremonies or whatever. You remember we had that big controversy earlier this year when the RSL in Western Australia just about got themselves back blacklisted when they said, we do not want smoking ceremonies at Anzac Day. It has nothing to do with Anzac Day. A, they were historically correct. B, they may may not have known why they were correct. But C, uh, you have governments that promote Aboriginal superstition. You are joining the race to the Stone Age. Uh, Before we take anything any further, let's let's take a call from a listener. Matthew is on the line from Labrador in Queensland. Hi, Matthew. Welcome. Thanks for waiting so patiently. Oh, well, thank you for actually taking my call. Um, uh, Yeah, look... I've actually um, I've been and heard John speak at, um, and I can't remember where it was, somewhere in um, the Gold Coast. And, um, yeah, yeah, thank you. Well, thank you for calling us, Matthew. Got any question today? Oh, probably just a statement. I, I can't understand why, why the Christian church hasn't been stronger in um, uh, saying, look, we are just all one group of people. Okay. It's just different, different colour of different... Our skins are different colours. Yeah, take it, take it politically in terms of convenience and time. Uh, my background, Mackay, my father's got to be a Scotsman. You go to Scotland, John Knox you know, brings the gospel legalistically in terms of the books he wrote. He's he's interested, given his Catholic background, you get rid of a Catholic dominion as a legal, you need a Presbyterian legal structure, right? But your culture is European, uh, your culture is Gaelic, uh, and that becomes all important. And to you, 
by the time you've finished writing all your books and that, you've got no time to deal with other cultures. So by and large, every group of Christians, whether they're historical or hysterical, as some of us are, right, uh, you will find we tend to be locked up in our own little world and, you know, the churches that have the sign up on the door as you leave, you are now entering the mission field. Most of us don't believe that. We don't see our real need to go out and preach the gospel to, what's that next word, all the world, uh, every tongue, every nation, right? We don't believe that. We're too busy doing our thing. So it's really a selfishness, uh, whether it's the churches in Australia or even in America, right? And it creates problems on the mission field because Aussie missionaries have struggles with American culture from American missionaries because we think time saves money. They think money saves time. Uh, even that simple difference creates tensions. Matthew, uh, anything further to add? Uh, uh, no, I, no, I just, I just, I just personally think that we need to um, somehow, um, I, I don't know, go back, go back to Adam and Eve, um, and and get rid of the. Like as the originator of all races. Yeah, you're absolutely right, mate, which is why, you know, many years ago the Lord called me and, and, and Ken Ham and others to stand up and say, listen, we are being lied to. We have no evidence of the evolution of monkeys into men. We have no evidence that, that black skin has evolved. We have no evidence for evolution of hydrogen to people. Let's tell the whole truth alternative you need to put something positive in there in the beginning god created whether it's hydrogen helium or human right uh, it's god who has to be put in and that that god factor in our heads and our hearts and in our actions is what makes our culture what it is and needs to be practiced in our churches here in australia whether it's labrador where i think i spoke to you down there in one of the nearby churches but thanks for your call really do appreciate it Matthew, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Jenny is on the line from New South Wales. Hi, Jenny. Welcome. Hi, Neil. How are you going? Really well, thanks, Jenny. What are your thoughts for our conversation today? Well, I think it raises a related matter, and that is um, what colour was Jesus? <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest, coming from a Scottish background, he looked like a Scotsman. He just didn't have a kilt. But uh, that's how we all well, tend to think first. And I say that because I'm married to a lovely lady whose father was the president of the Bible Society. And I always got a laugh out of the fact that Bibles uh, printed in Australia had Jesus and all the characters basically looking white European. But the ones for New Guinea had everybody black. Because we exactly. didn't even... Yeah, that's right. And the same for South America or anywhere yeah, else. Yeah, you're exactly but right. The, the interesting um, fact is that Jesus was born sort of at the crossroads. Yeah, he was in born the Middle East, in the Middle East. Eastern no. Europe meets, uh, Asia and Europe meets. So, so he would have been in, the, in between in reality. Exactly out. Yeah. Yeah, so he wouldn't have been black, he wouldn't have been white, he would have probably been close to that lovely rosy brown that you and I would love to be on the beaches in the middle of summertime here in Australia. Because in reality, you know, almost three quarters of the world is that brownish colour and it's only the 25% who've traditionally been in power in the West who are white and the 25% of the rest of the world who are now wanting that power who are black. Jenny, while we've got you on the phone, and let's just take this uh, another uh, step deeper here. If Jesus was in the middle and uh, Galilean 
Jew, and uh, some will say, and the fact that he was an outside worker because he was a carpenter, mm-hmm. probably a little darker than mm-hmm. uh, than what we are, probably not fully uh, black, but certainly brown. So we talk about a brown man. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea how we ought to uh, think of these things, John, because for for a lot of people, when they think of Jesus' skin color, this is it's it's sometimes it could be a shock, as you mm-hmm. say, you know, for the Scotsman who thinks that he should be wearing a kilt, <laughs> it's a shock to think that Jesus was brown. Yes, is. is there an advantage in us recognizing that Jesus' skin color is likely to have been a, a, a deeper color brown? Okay. Then uh, is there? Let's talk advantage here. I think the scripture that says he came first to his own. Okay, now his own, uh, there's no doubt about historically the Jewish people, uh, which is one group of the descendants of Abraham. They are descended from Abraham via Judah, right? So they become known as Jews. They're the only basic identifiable group left. Uh, So Abraham was a friend of God, but he wasn't Jewish. Right, he definitely was in the Middle East, and he's descended because we know his granddad was pagan. Right, so he's descended from the original group. We all were. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, well, after the Tower of Babel, anyway, because Noah certainly wasn't, but he's the last listed believer in Shem. And as far as we can figure out, it's in Noah's family that you start to get your color divisions. And by Babel, you're getting your public rebellion and your invention of religions and culture and slavery and you name it. So it doesn't take too long uh, for any of those things to happen. But Abraham, as far as we know, is your typical Middle Eastern, lovely olive skin, not too dark, not too light. And Jesus is one of his descendants and he had to be. Right. Because Abraham's seed was a promise. And that's, as Paul says, seed singular. Right. This is God's promise. So we know he's a descendant of Abraham. So he's know he's Middle Eastern. And when when we get to the church age now, the scripture says, well, what did Jesus say? Go and teach them everything. I have commanded you, right? And that's where we let ourselves down and we let the public down. If you ask the public here what they think Christianity is, they think it's being nice. They have no idea that there's a God who's going to judge our politicians here in Queensland because they approve murdering babies, right? The, the, the pastors need to say the whole lot. Uh, There's lots to talk about, isn't there? Jenny, thank you so much for your call. Taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Therese is on the line from New South Wales. Hi, Therese. Welcome. Oh, hello there. Um, I just read the Bible many years ago about Noah. Mm -hmm. One of his sons, apparently Japheth, it said in the Knox Bible that he had fairer skin than his brother's. Yes. And the other thing is when Noah had a vineyard and his son Ham walked in and was like apparently disrespected his dad's nakedness, there was something put on Ham's race as being slaves or something. All right, so uh, to find your full details, uh, I'd suggest you reread your Bible from many years ago. Um, the comments are interesting, but you'll find that in Genesis chapter 9 and 10, the flood is finishing. Ham uh, abuses his father's privacy, and we're never given exact details. At the very worst, it's stripping dad naked and poking fun at him. At the very worst, it's sort of sexual interference, right? We're just never given any details. But we are told there's a curse, but not put on Ham, right? We need to get our details right. Your scripture says the curse is put on Canaan. Now, if you don't follow God's logic here, Noah's son Ham had become a curse to him by what he did. So Ham's son Canaan becomes a curse to dad, 
right? Now, the curse has nothing to do with skin color. The curse is that you will become a servant of your brothers, right? And so in reality, that curse was a curse of slavery for anyone descended from Canaan. Now, from everything we can find about the Canaanites, they are not dark. Ham was dark. And if you like the ancestry of words, I just double-checked this with our historian today. I said, listen, uh, John, and he's one of the free books we're giving away that I said, as far as I can find out, the Hamitic race are regarded as dark because Ham and that in Egypt, the Egyptians are hot. Hot means go brown, like Neil just said, when you're out in the sun. And so the concept of really dark comes into existence as the definition of Ham, but never for Canaan. And when Joshua invaded uh, Israel, or, you know, the land of the promised land many years later, he took the Canaanites captives. He took them prisoners. Remember that bit about they were trying to persuade him that they'd travel from a long way and tricking him with mouldy bread and all of that? Well, they got away with not being killed, but they were said, from now on, you will be slaves. So that curse was actually fulfilled. It has nothing to do with colour. Now, your comment from Knox is not an inserted verse. It's an addition in which you, you are told that Japheth, and it accurately is Hebrew for fair. He's fairer than his brothers. Otherwise, there's no need to give him that name. As I've said many times, we, we don't tend to think of names as having really in-depth meaning, but many biblical characters, their name actually does. That's why God changed Abram's name to Abraham because he gave it a new meaning. Japheth literally means fair. Ham means dark. And Shem has nothing to do with colour at all, probably because he was the same as his dad. Uh, middle, middle of the road, not too dark, not too light. So thanks for your question. It's a good one. Therese, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. There's been lots of comments too on our Facebook post today and you can uh, you can engage with other listeners to 2020 when you go on to there and you can put your vote on that Facebook post. The post asks today, in addressing racism, do Christians think there is one race or many. Let me just uh, read through a few of the comments here. John will get your thoughts. Uh, Ian says there's a couple of parts to this question. Are we all descended from Adam and Eve? Yes, all people have some DNA that comes from a common ancestor. Do all people in the world have the same physical characteristics and have the same cultural background? No, therefore there are many races. However, God treats all his children the same. What are your thoughts for breaking down that question and uh, giving okay. us some different uh, issues there? Remember how we talked about the Jews today who are very um, proud of their Jew Jewishness, right? Um, descended from Judah, descended from Abraham, right? But we also have a group called Ashkenazi Jews. Now, if you're looking for the definition of a race, as it was in Carl von Linn's day, John Ray's day, you found that, okay, in the Rose family, there's some that do have thorns and some that don't. Now, that's a pretty significant difference if you're a gardener, right? So you enter the word races. Some horses run, some don't. So you have race horses, right, and draft horses. So are there enough differences between the human groups to list this? Ashkenazi Jews, I can prove if you're an Ashkenazi Jew and your descendant, Ashkenazi Jews are the only people in the world who have a genetic problem called Tay-Sachs disease. 
Right? There's not a single other person on the planet from any group that has this. Some ancestor in that group there had a mutation and its ancestor is passed on. So we have a distinction. In reality, as you mentioned correctly, there's cultural differences. There's all sorts of other differences. It's an issue of well, how many differences do we scientists want to call this separate, right? And that can, that can be negotiated at any level. But what it, it, what it means is the young man is correct. Well, I'm assuming he's a young man, probably good looking too, mm. like you and I, Neil. But uh, in reality... <laughs> Reality, that means there are many groups and when I travel around the world the one thing I encourage you all to do is don't assume that the person you'll talk to has the same cultural understanding of anything that you do right um, even today when I go to schools they have no knowledge of biblical stories I can't ta- ask them you know what about Noah they've never heard of Noah and in reality, most churches have never heard of the Tower of Babel. That's half of the problem with this issue. So, you know, with the books that we put up and on our website, AskJohnMackay.com, you'll find lots of stuff on these issues. But thanks for the great question. Hannah left her comment. Hannah says, God made multiple races and it was meant to be such a beautiful and valuable thing. Uh, we're all loved and valued equally by him and are all equal in worth, but we live in a fallen world where sin and hate have defiled everything that was meant to be beautiful and sacred. However, those who belong to him are unified by the Spirit. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts for Hannah? Okay, two things. Hannah, and congratulations for having the same name as me. Uh, John and Hannah are derived from Yoha. Um, good Hebrew name there. Um, but in reality, you'll find there's... A good half of that stu- that stuff, which is really on the true, true side, and another half that needs a bit of addition. So we are all descended from one man and one woman. Now, when you only have one man and one woman, you don't even need words like nation or tribe. Uh, family is even hard to conceive. So these are words that are only going to come into existence after we have enough people around to, I mean, what was Adam's surname? He didn't need one. Only after you get sort of 400 people and you can't remember their first names, you need a surname. So as we come down through history, by the time you get to the Tower of Babel and God divides the one group of people who were there, at that time, you could even see there were separate nations because it says they were divided according to their tongues. Because even in a uniform group of English, I go to Manchester and I can half understand them. I go to Newcastle as a group called Geordies. I know they're speaking English, got no idea what they're talking about, right? So these div- divisions were there just before Babel, but then God split us up. But here's the key reason, Neil, because we were evil. And so God imposed the races to stop evil becoming a uniform catastrophe bigger than COVID. Okay, let me just reflect on the numbers of people who are responding to the Facebook question today. In addressing racism, do Christians think there is one race or many? And I've got to tell you the percentage breakdown right now, the poll, 68% are saying one race and 32% saying many races. There's a bit of division out there. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's an interesting little uh, aside. Uh, let's come back to another comment. Alexander says we might share the same lineage, but we all come from different tribes, tongues, and nations. You were just mentioning that. Mm-hmm. There isn't anything that unifies us other than the one spirit that lives in all who believe. Now, mm-hmm. this, I think, raises a very important question. Because if we are different racially, Mm -hmm. what is it that can unify us? What are your thoughts for Alexander? Okay. Uh, Remember my Gaelic background, Scotland, etc. And now 
I really enjoy meeting Christians from other cultures. And I'm sure you've noticed, Neil, because you meet a lot as we interview people here, right? Uh, if they love Jesus, for some reason you feel like you've known them forever, right? You have that instant oneness. But that oneness is due to the presence of God's Holy Spirit saying, hi, brother, hi, sister, we're in. We're in the family, right? And so that is the one family of God. So if you want to talk about one race, I'd advise you to change your wording and make it one family. Right, So there is the one family of man because otherwise you create that race versus races conflict and we need to either qualify it at length right, and that creates bored people who are listening or we need to get back to a more biblical approach. And when I say biblical, I double checked this morning. It's easy for you to do. Check Strong's Concordance, Revelation 46 about the good news, the eternal gospel being preached to all tribes, all nations, all tongues, right? Look up the word tribes in Strong's. Easy to do these days on your computer. And it says races, right? And that's 1873, the height of the American race problems, the, uh, you know, the, the Darwin issue. And yet it was no problem for the theologians to say, no, this is the equivalent of races. I feel like we're about to end our conversation with a lot of unanswered questions. Mm-hmm. We could continue talking about this perhaps for hours. And uh, there are different dimensions here. And I think this has been a a real feast for people listening in today and thinking, I've got this sorted out in my mind, uh, my Christian faith, uh, that we're all one blood, that we're all That's one true. race. Yeah. Uh, one blood is true, yes, uh, that these race ideas might have some different and deeper dimensions for us to continue to explore, especially if we want to engage with others mm. and to bring this message of the gospel because... The gospel clearly here, and just a brief comment from you here, John, the gospel clearly here has a wonderful contribution into the race issue. And people are talking about this. It is water cooler uh, conversation. It's around the dinner table. Race is important. When we talk about the gospel, we are talking about a solution that Mm -hmm. yet needs to be discovered, and that is part of the good news. It really is. There's no doubt about it, and it goes a lot further than just, as you've been emphasizing, the skin color. Remember the point I made about the missionaries, Australian versus American? Right. If you want to be a successful preacher in America, the average American sees that you've got to be rich because that's God's blessing. Now, in Australians don't have exactly the same concept, but we desire to be rich, right? Yet you go to some cultures where the materials, in Aboriginal culture, materialism doesn't matter, and yet we want to make it matter. Now, you'll find that that's not part of the gospel, right? The gospel is about your relationship to God, your problem called sin, and Jesus who is the solution. And by the way, then study the word of God, let his mind in be in you, and you'll find he will work it out. And then you'll meet with white skins, black skins, yellow skins, and you'll say, hey, brother, we've known each other forever. A beautiful thing. And, John, let me just give some links for people to explore this a little mm-hmm. further. And there are some articles that you've written. People will be able to discover those when they go online. A couple of websites to mention, creationresearch.net, as well as askjohnmackay.com. And opportunities there, John, for people to connect with you. They can send you a message and you'll respond. Um, No doubt because COVID-19 has made a huge effect on people like yourself who used to go to Mm. churches and you'd you'd do a presentation and oftentimes there'd be an offering or something that Mm. would would come. Uh, No doubt there's probably an issue there too. You'd probably like to have a few more friends and supporters. (laughs) No doubt about that. But (laughs) as I was sharing with you before, it's been an unbelievable year 
in which not only do you get more and more busy trying to redo the, the technology so you can preach twice a day on Facebook and run a TV show every week that you've never done really like that, and then say, where's the money going to come from without appealing for it, right? And as I reported to you, at the moment, we're in the black, just over the black. But you think, we didn't go and preach once in the past four months. We never had an appeal. We never we never sort of um, sold books or uh, on, on our normal seminars. You think, this is impossible. Well, nothing is impossible to God who could see COVID coming a mile away and is using it because the joy I have is a young lady who rang me up and said, I'd like to know I've just become a Christian. And the reason is COVID, right? Mm-hmm. She was yep. scared to death. Yep. Thank you, Jesus. Well, for those who might like to connect with John Mackay today, and yes, let me say uh, there is going to be an opportunity for you to give. There'll be a link on the creationresearch.net website where you can become a prayer supporter, a partner, someone who is a financial supporter too of creation research. And uh, you've heard John Mackay, heard him speak his heart today, heard the common sense, but the biblical foundation as we take ourselves into what is a really huge issue today and think biblically about what God might have us to understand about the races. So creationresearch.net askjohnmackay.com. You can also like Creation Research on Facebook. You can follow John Mackay on Twitter at Creation Bloke. And you can keep up with John's fossils on Instagram, Creation Research. Lots of ways you can keep up with John Mackay. John, thank you so much for coming in today and to share your heart with us today on these really important issues. Always appreciate you. Good on you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 